Hey everybody, welcome to Just for Variety. Today is July 14th, 2022. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Coleman Domingo received his first Emmy nomination just two days ago for his work as Ali opposite Zendaya on HBO's Euphoria. I spoke to him just a couple of hours after the nominations were announced from his last day on the Atlanta set of the Color Purple movie musical. In the big screen adaptation of the Broadway show, Domingo plays Mr. The cast of the much anticipated Oprah Winfrey produced film also includes Taraji P. Henson, Fantasia, Danielle Brooks, Her, Ciara, Halle Bailey, Anjanou Ellis, and Corey Hawkins. Domingo will also be seen in Rustin. In his first headlining feature, Domingo stars as Bayard Rustin, the gay civil rights activist who was crucial in helping propel Martin Luther King Jr. to national leadership. Rustin is also the first feature film produced by Barack and Michelle Obama's production company, Higher Ground. Domingo will be back in Los Angeles this weekend for the Alfest screening of his biographical short, New Moon. The animated film is powerful, emotional, and simply gorgeous. But before we get to Domingo, let's take a look inside the pages of Variety at this week's Just for Variety column. If there is ever a reboot or reunion of the Friday Night Lights series, don't count on Taylor Kitsch playing Riggs again. Not that Kitsch has any bad feelings towards the show, but he tells me, I'm done, I'm good. I want to keep growing as an actor, going back to Riggs, let him live in everyone else's memories. Whatever that is, whatever you mean to them, let him lay there. Kitsch called his time on Friday Night Lights a huge springboard, but he said, I'm such a different actor now. For more, just for Variety, check out this week's issue or head over to Variety.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Just for Variety. I'm talking to Euphoria star, Coleman Domingo. Sorry for the delay. Hello. Do not worry. Hi, I'm in my trailer now. There we go. You're, you're a busy Emmy-nominated actor. Look at that, Mark. Look at that. I mean, wow. <laughs> wow. So where were you when the nominations were announced? I was in my, I was in the Hotel Clermont in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and I was, uh, <laughs> and I was, I decided to watch, which sometimes I do, sometimes I don't watch the announcements, mm-hmm. but I know there were so many, to be honest, Mark, there were so many well-wishers and people really wanting this from me. I, just, I was like, let me just watch. And so I'm watching and my manager calls, like maybe after about like, four different categories. And I'm like, what's it calling for? 
He calls me, he says, congratulations, Emmy nominee, my manager, Corey. And I said, but wait, I didn't see anything. What are you talking about? I actually didn't believe it. I was like, kind of like, what? Because I'm like, I'm watching. And he says, no, it's online. Because the guest ones go right online. And so I went to there and it was hard to navigate and figure out. But I wasn't believing it until I actually saw it. I thought like, (laughs) I don't know, maybe there's a thought in your mind. You're like, maybe he read it wrong. Maybe he got the wrong information. I have no idea until I see it. And I know it's a real thing. And then I was, um, I did the thing that shocked me. I actually started crying because I'm not really emotional about things like this. I mean, I've been nominated for awards and I'm always thinking the gratitude I just feel in such an extraordinary way. But this felt different because I know that I just know what the character represents to many people. And Mark, you know, we've had this conversation and I wanted it. It sounds strange, but I wanted it for the all that he represents and the language that Sam gives me and what it's doing in the television space, which I think it's a breakthrough and what a character like me, you know, like this, this black guy who's a, who's a, an addict and he's trying to do some good in the world. And I'm like, I want, I want that to be amplified in these people and their stories. And, mm. and honestly, so all that, so I think I cried for that. I cried for, you know, so many people who wanted it for me. And sometimes, you know, Mark, you know, I stopped, you stop wanting things like that because you're like, you know, what? I don't want to depend on I, my, my livelihood is not dependent upon that stuff. Right. So I don't want to want it, but there's something deep down inside me. Like I do kind of want it too. I want it like everybody else. I have an ego like everybody else. <laughs> you, know? you know what? So I think there were many tears and I didn't, I still don't understand what the tears were about, but there were tears. Listen, Here's the deal. Everyone knows it's an honor to be nominated, but it's pretty amazing to win. <laughs> it is. It is. It's nice to be at the table, man. You know, you know, I've been working for over 32 years, and I feel like I'm now starting to get, you know, the things that I think a lot of my my colleagues have. You know, you're like, you start to wonder, you're like, am I not award worthy? Like, what's happening? You know, but then you're like, oh, forget it. I'll just get to work. Let me just go to work. <laughs> so tell me you just you just mentioned sam the the language that sam gave to ali tell me about the first time reading that language reading that those words that ali was going to say what was that feel i almost you know what the the brilliant thing about sam and i is that we've gotten to know each other through long conversations like hours like sam is the one guy on this planet, I can be in a corner with him, talk for five hours and never stop. He's interested in people and he listens to people. So he has an ear for dialogue and the way real people talk about things. And so when I read and I first became, um, uh, Sam first wrote the role for me in Assassination Nation. And he would ask me, he would say, Here, here's the monologue, what do you think? And that's very rare when uh, you know, a writer, he has extraordinary confidence in his artist. And he says, read this. Anything stands out to you as a problem, is bumpy, let me know. And but then I tell you, he's got such an ear for language. It flows naturally. I memorize it easily. I understand the actions. I understand what I want, what I what happens if I don't get it. It's so clear. It's everything that an actor wants. You know what I mean? I, you know, I think Sam will be regarded as one of the one of the great writers of our generation. I think he'll be looked at that many years from now uh, because I think that he writes. He's on the pulse of what we care about, what we what we're struggling to even give words to. You know, 
So you spend hours talking to him. Yeah. What he told you about the next season? Uh, he told me a little bit. Ah, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> he, he told me some ideas. But the thing about Sam, which is kind of cool, he can tell you some ideas that he got going on in his head. But it's not real until it goes on paper. But even if it goes on paper, he may change the whole season. He's done that. He's changed like he's like, oh, this is the arc of this character. He's like, let me just shift that. I think he's really working moment to moment to figure it out. And you just have to be along for the ride. Yeah, when at the at the the screening at the Academy, I was talking um, to Zendaya and I said, you know, what was amazing about the season where I was getting worried watching it was if there was going to be no hope. And then at the end, we obviously know that there is hope because she says she's clean. I forget how many days. And she said to me, though, that originally the ending wasn't as hopeful, that there was a different ending. Yeah. And I think I, and I do think that that's I think Sam is the creator where you're like he's trying to figure out um, every single engine and he's spinning a lot of plates at one time. Mm-hmm. But I think it it is malleable and it will shift. I think that it shifts as Sam understands the arc of the story that he's telling. And so I think that's why, you know, the the latter episodes, they changed. Because something changed. He was like, oh, we need that glimmer of hope in some way. And so I'm sure he went to his, he started rewriting. You know, he he rewrites, I mean, he wrote me into, that's right, because I wasn't even, I actually was in the last scenes, the one where I came and cooked dinner. Mm -hmm. That wasn't an original scene. I don't remember that in our way through. Of the, you know, that, that scene of me coming and cooking dinner. And he said, I have this idea. Come back. I was only supposed to be in three episodes. And he was like, oh, I have another episode. I was like, well, what is it? And then he sent me that. And I thought it was beautiful what he figured out and how he knew Ali would function with the family, you know, um, and with, with Storm Reed and Nika King. And I thought that was brilliant. And also the phone call. I don't, I didn't remember the phone call in the first in the way we read this, um, but just that moment of forgiveness, which I thought there's, there's those gl- glimmers of hope, and that hope is actually in forgiveness. I think. Oh yeah. Anyways, in our show. Yeah. Hmm. So, just some fun questions since we're talking TV and its Emmys. What's the last thing you binge watched? The last thing I binge watched was uh, 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 Julia. Yeah. Why? The Julia, because I had COVID and, oh. <laughs> and I laid there just like, I wanted something to make me feel good. And mm. Julia did everything. It made me feel good. It made me want, it made me want to eat, although I was not hungry when I had COVID. And, uh, <laughs> and I really just thought I want to go to France again. I want to, it, it just, it was just so indulgent. And I love the, the whole story of Julia Childs. And um, I, I was just, I, that was the last thing I meant, watched. Did it inspire you to cook? Do you cook? I cook and I actually cook French food, which is oh. why, like, that's why I'm like, I, yeah, I, I love French food. It's my, it's my, actually my, I realize it's actually my favorite food. Um, wow. And so anything, and because also, it, well, when you go to France, everything, there's nothing pasteurized or anything. So it's also fresh. That's what yeah. I love about it all. So it's really, it's really farm to table cooking, basically. Um, yeah, so I do cook. So what's, what's the biggest TV death you still haven't gotten over? I don't know if I'm over Big's death from Sex and the City. Really? 
<laughs> yeah. But also, okay, I'll say this. Dan's death on Roseanne really rocked me. The fact that when once you realize that that last season of the original Roseanne, mm. that Dan was dead and she was depressed that whole season, because his whole that last season of Roseanne show was bonkers. Mm. And you're like, what is happening? Somebody smoked something. <laughs> But it's because Dan died. And I just thought, you know, I just love John Goodman's character. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, he was so her, her support, her rock, um, the person who understood. I, so that rocked me. Yeah. And how do you like to watch TV? What's your favorite way? Like, are you a couch? Are you a bed? How are you? What's your TV viewing habits? In the trailer. <laughs> I spend hours upon hours in the trailer. And my favorite spot is actually oh, there it is. here on my couch. And I will set myself up and I will bring the lights down low and I watch TV in my trailer. That's, that's the best time to watch TV. Listen, I'm with you. That's good. I don't have a trailer, but I love a couch. Yeah. It's a couch in my trailer. So you're in, you're in Atlanta. You're about to finish up Color Purple. You're pretty close, right? I'm finishing up tonight. Today is my I'm last not. day. Yeah, I just arrived on set my last day on the color purple, and it's been it's been phenomenal and exhausting, and one of the most difficult projects because I think um, the demands it has on you as a as a human being. Um, it's a musical as well. Um, I think it's big and it's epic, but I think we I think we pulled off something really beautiful. We're going to take a short break right now, but when we return, Domingo talks about the first time Oprah Winfrey visited the Color Purple set. I'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Just for Variety. Here's more of Coleman Domingo. Tell me about the first day Oprah walked on set. First day Oprah walked on set was when we did the, um, we started with the last scene of the movie. Oh, wow. Um, we, we filmed that first, which is a huge scene, huge choreographed scene that takes place around a tree. And it's about the generations that Seely, uh, Mr. Shug lives on. And Oprah was there and she actually stood under this tree, this big, beautiful, uh, great oak tree. And I think we shot it in Savannah, Georgia. And um, Oprah couldn't help herself. She came to set and she was, you know, in Video Village and all, but then at some point she was literally right under the tree. So when the camera is going around to all of us, we're literally singing at Oprah. And cause she's so moved and she's spirited, she's singing with us the, the finale Color Purple song. So when everyone sees our eyes and the camera going around, we're actually looking at Oprah. So we're also looking at, wow, we're looking at the legacy of this incredible, uh, work that Alice Walker gave us and how it lives through Oprah and how it's changed her life. She's 
And she, she, she's, I'm not, I never forget, but I won't forget, nobody forgets what she said. She says, this experience of the color purple will change your life. She said, because it changed mine. And she says, so I know that not only the book and the story, the characters are touched by God and everyone who's here is supposed to be here and it's going to change her. It's going to change and transform your life. And then she stood under that tree and sang to her. How is it? That was her first day. <laughs> first day. Yeah. It's, 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 it's an extraordinary responsibility because I know that yet Celie is the soul of the film. I have to take care of her. I take care of her um, and make sure that um, Fantasia can do what she can do, that the women can go to these places. And I have mm -hmm. to be very abusive. And it's 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 a uh, it's taxing, but I know I'm sort of the papa of the film, and I take care of things. And I make sure things are well and done on time, and people are treated well. And I know that that's responsibility. Oprah and I we talked. She called me a few times and sort of let me know that that's sort of my responsibility. I am the the papa of this film. Um, it's incredible for 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 me to play the role that is actually the most toxic but I also have to pour the most love uh, into this whole film set. And it's been an extraordinary responsibility. And I, I know it's changed me, to be very honest. How do you go toxic? You're too nice. And I know it's acting, but <laughs> how much- I, You know, I think- How much I does think it because I understand. It takes me calling on some things that maybe I'm, I think whatever human is, human does, right? It's like, right. so I'm, I think of myself as a good person and a good human and I care about people. But I understand the people who have been hurt. I think once I got to the core of my mister that I'm mm -hmm. going to play, I played, the fact that he's broken and hurt, someone hurt him. And so when you go from that place, you can find the human place to find out how to be a terror to other people when you've been hurt. That's more complicated actually to play than just playing angry and pissed and abusive. His abuse comes from a real broken place. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I feel like, I, you know, I, I come from a, I think a good home, but you know, my, I know my, my natural father, um, there've been some times when he would try to tell some swings in my mother, whatever. It could have been a situation. My mother got up years ago, you know, before she met my stepfather. And so I can draw on these things. I can draw on these stories. And, and they're not too far away. I, I know people have been in abusive relationships. I know, you know, and, and examining that, exam, examining male toxicity. It's like, you know, I think that's the most incredible thing about being an actor is that, yeah, I watch people a lot. I listen to people's stories. And then I interpret it and I bring them to my heart to tell their story. So I think um, that's what it calls on. It, it, it has, I will say this, I've never done a production. This is, I've been going with, for six months on this and I've had maybe three penetrations where we sit quietly. And I don't even think I was emotional, but I would just, when I tell you physically, tears are just streaming down my face. And I'm like, I'm not sad. It's just like, but my body is sort of trying to let it go or trying to feel whatever it is. It's like, it's a strange thing that I've never experienced before. I'm sitting in this room with me and like, I can't stop crying, but I don't feel sad, but my body is trying to let it go. It's amazing what you, because my mind doesn't know that I'm acting. 
<laughs> you know, my, at least my body doesn't know that I'm acting. You know, right. my body's still just like, you got a lot. You're, you're dealing with a lot right now. You're dealing with a lot of trauma. And so I have to tell my body it's okay and repair it. Mm. Mm. Wow. I cannot mm. wait to see this movie. Cannot wait to see oh, this man. movie. I can't wait to share what we've done. You have to be the open tonight. I'll make sure. Yeah. I'll make sure. New, what is, what's the new music like in it? Because I, 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 I know, it's, I know it's, the Broadway. It's a lot of the, yeah, it's a lot of the Broadway. It's, it's actually half of the Broadway music. And it's hmm. also been re- rearranged in many ways for the film. So I think it's not, it's sort of a hybrid. It's a musical, but I think it's more like, it's just more imaginative. It's just using Seeley's imagination. It's using, you know, what people call on spiritually and how mm. it has a visual life. So that's the way it's being um, figured out in this film. Mm. And you just, you know, you talked about your mom. So I have to talk to you about New Moon. Mm. Oh, man. I have Mark, to you know, give me emotional today. Today is, today is such a huge day, man. <laughs> it's so big. And I created this short film at the top of the pandemic. I started, me and my husband were working with a couple animators that we found in France. And we started working just online with each other. I had this idea of adapting a short story of mine from my solo show, Boy in the Soul. And it was, I think, I honestly, now I understand it was to combat what was happening with Black Lives Matter, with, with our politics, people burning fires in the street, the pandemic raging. I wanted to create something about love. And in particular, I wanted to create something about the love of the Black mothers give to their Black sons. You know, those messages, they keep you going. It's like people ask, well, how do you keep going, Coleman? How do you stay so positive? How do you not get caught up in this stuff? Is it because I have a lot of joy? Somebody poured so much joy in me and mm-hmm. told me to love and to be use my imagination. My imagination can get me out of anything. The only reason why I'm here on this set is because I imagine that I... I could be beyond my West Philly neighborhood in the mm-hmm. inner city. My mother gave me that imagination. And so that's what, it's a love letter to mothers, basically. Specifically black mothers, but it's for all mothers or, or fathers too. But it's just a simple mother and son relationship. Um, having a ritual on a summer night with Aretha Franklin playing on the transistor radio and mother's imagination takes over and she, it goes she goes beyond her neighborhood, beyond, you see what's in it and what's in the music for her. So that's what the short film is. And so we created it with, and we didn't even know what we we're gonna do with it, to be honest. We finished mm. it, showed it to our family and friends. And like, so what are you gonna do? We're like, I don't know, I, I have no idea. I just wanted to create this thing. I'm put it on YouTube, I don't know. But then we got some advice from Ava DuVernay and Daniels and Matthew Cherry and so many loved ones who I showed it to and they said, you got to put it on the festival circuit. So we started, you know, applying to festivals. We got on film freeway like everybody else and applied to festivals and we've been getting into tons of them. So we got into Outfest and and, and uh, Indie Shorts and Fantasia. We won our first one, which was the French Riviera uh, Film Festival, which was happening at the same time as Cannes. And we won Best Animation. We just won, won Best Sound and Music from, from the LGBT uh, uh, Toronto festival, but so, so it's cool. So it's now, so we're now doing the festival circuit. I didn't know what that was, but I'm doing it now. You know? <laughs> Not to make you more emotional, 
but but one it was kind of a perfect time for me. My mom is dying, and oh. um, yeah, she's uh, in hospice care now. And I'm so I, sorry. thank you. It's it's been insane. She's mm-hmm. been under hospice care for five months. No one expected her to live this long. <laughs> I don't laugh mm-hmm. out of funny, but it's, you know, this is a woman who, you know, she's had MS for 20 years. She has heart failure and kidney disease. And let me tell you, Coleman, she's fucking going. She has. Because <laughs> she's, not, she's not ready to go yet. She's not no. ready to go yet. Do you know what she did to me the other day? So I go to, she's in New York. So I go to New York in five days. And we're transferring her to a hospice facility. She's usually at home, but she had to go there for five days because her aide was gone. She's in her wheelchair waiting for them to transport her. I said, mom, she doesn't open her eyes. I go, mom, doesn't open her eyes. Her identical twin sister is standing there. And I look at my Aunt Barbara and I go, mom, I go, Aunt Barbara, my mother opens her eyes and starts laughing. (laughs) I said, did you just punk me by pretending to be dead? Oh God. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's great sense of humor, huh? First of all, it says everything about my mother, because that's her humor. And then <laughs> <laughs> she punked me. She pretended oh, wow. to be dead. Please write that. <laughs> oh, Coleman, you don't even. You don't even, one day we are going to sit and I'm going to tell you the whole story and we will, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, that's so hard. My God, I don't think about that. <laughs> and I'm watching your film and when you got to the part about rocks and gefilte fish and matzah, yeah. shocking, yeah. I don't think this is a shock to anyone. I'm Jewish. My mother... <laughs> My mother loves, still loves the locks. We give her locks. Yeah. yeah. The other day when I was home, we were giving her gefilte fish. Oh, wow, wow, wow. My mother would always bring home all the, she we worked at this wonderful Jewish family's home and she would always bring everything over. So I grew up on all this food. That's what my, my so I'm a good <laughs> Jewish boy, basically. When I hear you saying rugula, I was like, yeah. get it, come <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, how you guys? I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah. Well, like when I when I when I had COVID, I'm like, oh, I just need some matzo ball soup. You know, that, exactly. <laughs> that is so. You know, your your film just really spoke to me oh, for man. I think very obvious reasons. My mom also, you know, I grew up very poor. Um, my mom has been one of my you know biggest supporters and. I got my daddy issues, and so I really can't wait for you to expand this into a full-fledged feature or a series. Mm. I want to see. That's why I'm thinking of a series. Okay, thank you, Mark. Thank you. 
Mm. Now my question is, who is the voice of your mom in the film? Shockingly, it's me. I that's what I thought. <laughs> I play all the characters. It's me. <laughs> I was going nuts. I was like looking through the credits. I'm like, there's no wait. There's no. It's just the storyteller. That was that. I was so into it. When people say like, it's funny because my siblings, they all know the strangest thing is they say I have my mom's voice down pat. The way wow. I make my voice sound like my mom's, they're like. You sound just like mommy. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's wild. Yeah. So even they were, they were like, my younger brother got very emotional showed to him because he said, um, he was very emotional. He said, you really brought her back to life. He said, and he said, and just the way she feels, you know? So I think that was, that was the greatest compliment. He was overcome because he said more than anything. It was the feeling, you brought the feeling of mom back. And so I think hopefully for anyone who watched that, they'll have that feeling and they'll think of their relationship with their mom. You know? Yeah. It's for moms that. like ours. And, um, yeah. yeah. So I know you have to go shortly. I just, of course, have to ask you about Rustin. Mm-hmm. And my big question, and I, I think we even talked about this a little bit when we saw each other last, is why hasn't he gotten the attention or the accolades or the flowers? I, I know why. I think because he was so marginalized in the history books, like many of our other queer um, greats have been. And I love the fact that it's important not only to the Obamas and Netflix and George C. Wolf um, to make sure his story is amplified uh, as possible. I think if there's now the time, it seems like the time that we're now coming out of the shadows and looking at what we've actually done. You know what I mean? And people are like putting us on the map. No, this person actually, the reason why Martin Luther King was Martin Luther King was because of Bayard Rustin. Because his, 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 you know, everything that Martin learned, he learned it from from Bayard. But Bayard was also fine. He also knew he needed to sort of recede. I think it's funny. The thing that I know about, that connects me with Bayard Rustin is that we both feel like, you know what, I'll step back and do the work. That's fine. If you want to amplify something else, I'll go, I'll do the work. As long as the work's getting done. Right. But now I think we're both, it feels like Bayard and myself are sort of coming right. out of the shadows and sort of like taking a little, taking a bit of a spotlight as well, saying, this is what we do. This is our work ethic. This is how we do it and do it with love. And I think I, I'm so happy that his story is going to be out there for many generations. You know, I'm super happy about this. Yeah. And I think that, I think we created an incredible film. I know we did. Mm. Every, um, it was the first film I've led. And I know that George was looking at me to be a true partner when it comes to the soul of the film and the way we make it. Um, and we made it with so much love, honestly. It's it's it, an experience that I'll take with me forever where every I know that every single department felt heard and seen and acknowledged and did their best work. So I can't wait until we finally get this film out there and we're ready. I can't wait to talk about it. I'm, you know, the, the Obamas promised me that they're going to be on the on the um, trail with me as we do publicity. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> okay, that that's fine. If, if you really must do publicity with me, Michelle that was, Barack Obama, that's fine. That was literally my next question. Have yeah. you spoken to the president and Michelle Obama about to the president? I have. We talked on a Zoom about uh, a couple months ago, 
I happened to be in Cabo for a little vacation and I, was, I had to Zoom set up. So I was in the room just like, can't believe it. Yeah, so it was fun to connect with the whole cast and we just talked and they were just, you know, just anytime you hear Barack Obama saying your name, it's the weirdest thing. I don't say, oh yeah, Coleman. You're like, oh my God, he's a, you, you fan out, but you're like, Let's, let me just stay focused. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's wonder, they're wonderful. They're, really, they're huge champions of this film. What did they say to you that they want, what they want out of this film? This is their first feature that they're doing at Higher Ground. And I think this is very telling at, when it comes to their first feature, the kind of stories that they are interested in yeah. uh, and really sort of like um, sort of helping out the history books a bit, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they know that part of their legacy is, um, is historic. And I think that they're, they're want to tell stories about, um, who we are, how, how we can, um, I don't know, how we can really come together, how, how the movement was done by so many people, so many ordinary people who just, um, it wasn't just the Martin Luther Kings and the Ralph Abernathy's and the Diane Nash. There was the most ordinary citizens and they have a voice. And so I think that that's what they're interested in. I know that that's what they're interested in. All the time people, you have a voice, you have a choice, you can make a change. That's what mm-hmm. this film does. And I imagine, you know, the president could say, me being in the White House, I could trace back to Byron Rustin. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's very, um, the president was very conscious of that. I remember we went to, the, uh, when I went, when I, the first time I met uh, the president and uh, first lady, I was at the White House for a screening of Selma and mm-hmm. um, Ava DuVernay. And then Barack Obama showed us um, a little door off to the side of the uh, Oval Office where he, his little office, and he had a picture of John Lewis there. John Lewis was, was there at the event too. And he was like, he always, he said, it's always important to have a reminder of who, whose shoulders you stand on. You know, so I know that, you know, I also know that I stand on the great shoulders. So whatever I'm doing is because somebody else did it for me. Well, Coleman, you're amazing. I'm so glad we got to actually have this full on conversation. Me too, friend. I really am. And and I I really want to say I'm I'm just sending you so much love. Thank you. That was Coleman Domingo. New Moon screens at Outfest here in Los Angeles on Saturday, July 16th. Thanks for listening to Just for Variety. I'll see you next time. But for now, Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your breaking Hollywood news, go to Variety.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.